0: Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character in our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only keep on top of technology, but then decide how to incorporate that into your family's life. Our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise your tech savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. And today we have a special guest joining us. She is 22 years old and in her fourth year of college. Currently she is applying to nursing school and while she has been in school she also works full-time in the medical field. She is going to give us her perspective on all of our news app and character today. Welcome to the show Evelyn Fernandez. Hi guys. So super excited to have Evelyn here. I've known her for about four years, really since you were a teenager.
1: Oh, I feel so long ago.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you have been um, such a huge friend and help to Brave Parenting. You have been to many events with me as my assistant, and you have really been a sounding board anytime I've had questions about technology and life (laughs) through your generation. Right. Hopefully I was able to answer some of those accurately. You always have been. So So today, um, very timely, we're going to be discussing an app that you know a lot about, which is Bumble, discussing some news and some character virtues, I think, that you possess. So let's jump right in and start with this. So in today's news, we're going to be talking about a new Texas law making it illegal to send unsolicited nude photos. So recently, Texas, which is where we live, teams up with Bumble, which is going to be our app focus for the day. To crack down on people who sent unsolicited nude images on dating apps and elsewhere in cyberspace. The new Texas law banning this so-called cyber flashing comes after state representatives collaborated with this Austin-based dating app Bumble to shepherd this new bill earlier this year. So as parents, Evelyn, we hear this and think cyber flashing this unsolicited nude photos. Is this actually
1: happening out there? So, it definitely is happening. I have been lucky enough not to have been attacked this way. Um, But I definitely know a lot of other girls that, you know, this has happened too. And it's very unfortunate. But I think the fact that it's a law might make some guys think twice before they send you these unwanted photos. They might think, oh, should I be sending this to this person? Did they ask me for this?
0: So, is it mostly guys sending it to girls or are girls, well, see, you know, if girls send it unsolicited, I don't think guys are really going to complain, I guess is probably.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you know, that's actually a really ironic story. So my boyfriend that I'm dating currently, we were out on a Friday night and he picked me up and he told me that some random person had just texted him out of the blue thinking he was somebody else, but that it was a girl. And he told me this and I was like, oh, okay, we'll just, you know, we'll know that that's not you. And Move on. Run, right. Well, then he texts her that, and then she replies back in a long message and wants to know who he is. And then she starts sending him some provocative photos. And I'm like, why? Wow. wow. You know, I mean, I'm sure this happens because it can't all be one sided that guys are sending all these nude photos. Mm-hmm. But it was just mind blowing to me that this girl would send these pictures to some unknown person. Wow. Right. So very
0: interesting. Yeah. So there definitely can be a place where that is not appropriate, which of course we would know. So it's happening on both ends. Well, now, at least in Texas, um, this is now going to be a Class C misdemeanor with a fine up to $500 if the person who received it hasn't given consent to receive that explicit picture. Do you think that if that was to happen to you or the people that you know, would you be willing to then turn that over to the police? I think it's a good thing it's
1: a law, but I have a hard time believing that most women will, you know, report these guys that are sending these pictures because you have to go to police station and then file a report and then all this stuff has to happen versus you can just block them and then you're kind of done.
0: So even on a dating app, you would just block them or you could block them obviously through your phone if it was regular through text either. That's the easier.
1: Blocking them if they text you seems like such an easy fix versus going to a police station I'm sure some women will I personally would not
0: would not make that that bold right. of a move to report them to the police
1: I'd like to think that I wouldn't put myself in a situation around somebody like that that would send me something inappropriate mm-hmm.
0: but I think that I think where this really can be beneficial if someone is receiving repeated pictures, maybe in this sort of stalking type of way where maybe they're not letting up, then you can report this and and have it taken care of more.
1: Yeah. Like if you block somebody and then they keep using like a different number to send you things, Mm. that's probably.
0: Yeah. I think it's a
1: good step forward, though. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So next in our news, also something I think you can relate to, people who post selfies are seen as less likable and less successful and new study finds. So, this new study that's going to be published in the Journal of Research and Personality showed that individuals who posted a lot of selfies were almost uniformly viewed as less likable, less successful, and more insecure than people who posted, quote, posies. And that is traditionally posed photos that appear to be taken by someone else.
1: So, I definitely agree. That you know, sometimes selfies you can come off as arrogant or very self-centered, you know, because the picture's just what head to shoulders, maybe shoulders.
0: How much ever farther your arm can reach back to take a picture. Um,
1: but it's it's just your face, Mm -hmm. really, and you're just admiring how beautiful your face is with some filters, add some stickers on there.
0: It definitely it comes across a little arrogant.
1: To me, it does. And
0: that's why I try not to, you
1: know, put a lot of those out there just because.
0: But if someone posts a posy, do you view that differently?
1: I do. Because sometimes when you're looking at those, you just admire the handiwork of the person who took the picture. And then you like to believe that somebody else took this picture for them. Mm -hmm. They didn't, you know, timer on it. So I do know that that's actually a thing with my friend. And. You know, sometimes it's not all about that person. Sometimes you're admiring the outfit that that person's wearing or the background mm-hmm. that they're in. you know,
0: so this is kind of the trend that we see happening, especially on Instagram, with right. the influencers you know, that makes it look like it's a very casual, um not so posed picture. But what we really i mean if we look at it with discerning eyes, that is an absolutely posed picture.
1: I would believe that all pictures posted by influencers are always posed yeah you know like they they're had never the candid. intention of that this is going to be posted on social media it needs to look just this way to influence whatever they're promoting
0: so the study showed that the people who had posted these selfies when when viewed um were also viewed to have lower self-esteem and to be more lonely and less dependable so i mean that's a pretty broad statement to po to really say picture, yeah right? just about a picture of a selfie
1: I think it definitely can come across that way because if you're doing a selfie, you know, you're normally most of the time, most girls just by themselves, maybe another girl. But sometimes they're late at night in their room and they're all alone. So it can come across, you know, kind of sad and maybe slightly <laughs> yeah, like, oh, this
0: person is lonely. They're taking pictures of themselves and putting it on social media. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah, that's
1: the way it comes across.
0: Yeah, especially if it's just their face. I can definitely see that. Versus. There's me, but this is where I'm at tonight, doing something relevant. Yeah, or something fun, at least. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right, so getting into our character focus for the day, we're going to be talking about the virtue of sensibility or being sensible. Now, this is a virtue that I chose because I absolutely believe that, Evelyn, you exemplify this virtue of sensible.
1: Well, I'd love Definitely would like to try to be sensible, you know, (laughs) I feel like sensible is kind of like the smart.
0: (laughs) It is, yeah. I mean, essentially it's defined as having common sense or having good sense about how you're living your life and, and the choices that you're making. So what does being sensible specifically mean to you in your life?
1: In my current life, it just means being practical about whatever it is I'm doing. If I'm out somewhere, make wise choices, and if
0: I'm Doing something online, being cautious. I don't know. Do you feel means... like you've always possessed this virtue of sensible, or can you look back at times when you're like, that wasn't very sensible, and I'm learning from that, and I'm not going there again? So, I
1: definitely have made some mistakes. And you know what? They were early on. We so, all have. Right. And I probably wasn't the most sensible. You know, it's always after the fact that you realize, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have made that choice, or maybe I should have done this differently or that differently.
0: So how do you apply, like where you are right now, 22, applying to nursing school, finishing college, how do you apply this sensibility to your relationships, uh, whether it be friendships or dating, your education or your work? Because you work full time.
1: So I think that in my relationships, I definitely am very sensible. I give it three weeks, and then if it's not going somewhere, you know, nice to meet you, goodbye.
0: These are your dating relationships.
1: Right. Yes. And then, you know, my friends, too, a couple years after high school when I was in college, I definitely cleaned out my friends, you know, people that weren't leading me to make good choices or that could steer me wrong. I feel like I definitely took those people out because, you know, why do you want somebody that's going to lead you
0: a Stray in your path right yeah that's i I think we could definitely attribute this virtue of wisdom <laughs> to that as well. I mean, something we would definitely want all of our kids to do is that's important is to sort of discern who is being a positive influence, who's being a negative influence and sort of weeding them out. That's sometimes a hard thing to do, but very good sense
1: yeah it, it was hard at the time, I think I had an old friend who I'd known for most of my high school life and at the end of the day, she wasn't quite as good of a friend as I thought.
0: Making that hard choice of just kind of parting ways and, right. and moving on. Uh, what about work? I definitely would think that you are sensible in the sense that you for sure know how to work, to save money, to provide.
1: I'm not sure saving money is quite <laughs> what I was doing at an early age. You know, some of it's all about, you know, spending money. Oh, I want to do this. I want to go. To this do these
0: fun things with my friends buy this what's in what's not so when did that sensibility and spending money versus saving kick in for you finally because i think a lot of parents like myself who have 16 17 18 year olds who are like oh my goodness stop spending money <laughs> it definitely
1: wasn't until well there was twice it happened twice when i fell off the wagon and then jumped back on. um <laughs> So when I was in high school, you know, I was working a lot and then going to school. And then sometimes my weekends, I was just working. And so not going out meant that I had a lot of money that I wasn't spending because mm-hmm. I didn't have time to spend it almost. Right. And then, you know, seeing the number of my bank account made me feel better. But then I quickly got off that wagon not <laughs> too long after. And then my mom probably started me back on saying, oh, you need to have this much money in your account every month. So
0: accountability in that regard. Right. Yeah.
1: And then it made me want to save money, you know, now for my future, you know.
0: So when you think of um, this, our culture that we're in of social media and smartphones and this instant immediate gratification communication, how do you see your peers or people, anyone around you really compromising this sensibility, this good common sense when it comes to technology?
1: I definitely think people... Go on the internet or on Facebook or, you know, any social media. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people lose their sensibility, ride it out. You know, it just flies out the window.
0: They don't think before they post.
1: Right. Or before they type or, you know, whatever it is they do. I have a few friends that will post some crazy things on Facebook. Like it's not going to come back and bite them. You know, because I, when I was younger, I think sometime in high school, I read this um, article about how in my age group, when you're applying to jobs, people are going to start looking at your content history. You know, Mm -hmm. what do you post on social media? What do you like? What are you saying about yourself that maybe you wouldn't say in an interview? Mm -hmm. And after that, I was cautious about what I'm liking, what I'm posting. And some people, that does not occur to them. They're in their 20s and they're going to have to be getting a real job. And I don't think it occurs to them that, you know, social media is out there for everybody to look at. You don't have to.
0: Right. So this is interesting, right? Because I not only teach parents, obviously, like tell their kids this, I tell my own children this and but still, it seems that no matter how much you said you read one article, this can be shown in front of this generation of, of kids today. They can see it. They can hear it. Their parents can sort of come down and remind them all the time, yet it still escapes them. So what do you think? What is different with you? Maybe you were just born with this great sense, but what did your parents maybe do that helped really build this virtue of sensibility up so that you would hear something like, oh, people are going to look at my social media when I'm going to apply for grad schools or careers?
1: So I think it definitely started early on my parents were always telling us to be practical in what we wanted to do like you want you want to go to school make sure you get a good education and then pick a job where you're not going to be struggling to find work pick something that people always need
0: mhm
1: or that you know if the economy ever goes down you have a, a secure job but that was always what they told us and i think that kind of started to maybe play in part of why i'm cautious of what i put on social media Mm -hmm. because it just seems crazy to me that people don't think that that might come back
0: to bite them we talk about your parents being practical so basically if you would have said hey i'm gonna be a youtube star they would have been like "Mm, no
1: right they definitely would (laughs) have shut that down uh no evelyn you will be going to college and getting a
0: degree in something useful (laughs) and hence why you chose nursing Right. Which is people, very useful. And people really need nurses. people will always need nurses. I love it. I love it. Well, this is a great talk about sensibility. And I know that all of us as parents listening to this yearn so that our 22 year olds will end up with that great common sense like you have. So good for you. I'm very proud of you. Not that you're my child, but <laughs> it's awesome to see a young adult like yourself really applying sensibility to your decisions and your future goals. All right. Our app focus today is on the dating app Bumble. Bumble is one of the most popular dating apps out there now. And our guest, Evelyn, knows quite a little bit about it. So I have used Bumble. I
1: did meet um, my boyfriend. We've been dating for almost six months. That is a new long-term relationship for me. A record? Right. A record (laughs) long-term relationship for me. and. You know, I'm very grateful that we met because I don't think we would have normally met outside, even though we ironically
0: live very close to each other. But you did meet on Bumble. Right. Yeah. So Bumble is similar to Tinder, which Tinder we reviewed back in episode six. That what makes it a little bit different, Tinder sort of got the rap of being a hookup app, while Bumble is sort of known as a relationship app. And their goal is to. As they say in our hive, ladies make the first move. Their goal is to empower women, eliminating this sort of damsel in distress attitude where women are seen as needing a man to take the lead. So they enable women to be as confident in the dating sphere as they are in their professional lives. So basically, if I understand right, I swipe that I like someone. If he swipes back, then you match. But the woman, you, have 24 hours to connect.
1: You know, I'm definitely okay with being the damsel in (laughs) distress in this situation because it feels almost a little awkward, even if it is, you know, over text and I don't have to see this person face to face, make the first conversation. Though Bumble does give you some pointers on things you can say, and I won't lie, I've
0: copied and pasted some of those into the conversation that you right. started right. once you matched.
1: Because you, you've you never talked to this person. Normally I'd be like, hi, nice to meet you, you know, introduce yourself. But you have this whole bio about this person and you suddenly know lots of things about
0: them. Gotcha, gotcha. So you chose Bumble because it was more of a, a safer, better known app than Tinder? Honestly, I don't
1: even remember how I chose Bumble. <laughs> I definitely didn't choose Tinder because at that point they'd be... Started promoting all that stuff about, you know, being just a hookup app Mm -hmm. and really a lot of, and I felt like a lot of shadier, maybe creepier people were going to be on Tinder. You know, they could still also be on Bumble. Sure. Plenty of people probably have both, but you know,
0: it felt more newer and mm -hmm. maybe a little more conservative. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe. So, how Bumble works is you download the app, it is free, and then you log on and you have to log in with your Facebook account. So, basically, if you don't have Facebook, which many young people, millennials, Gen Z, millennials, yes, but Gen Z, you know, really don't like Facebook. So if they don't have it, they have to create an account. Of course, you have to be 18 years or older. And then once you create this account via Facebook, it, you choose six pictures from your Facebook profile in order to post on to Bumble in your account. Right. So I actually
1: ended up recreating my Facebook account for this reason because i had deleted it for a few years because i wasn't using it i think that's when maybe facebook started to kind of go a little out at least for my generation um (laughs) and then you know i recreated it because you have to have one in order to log in which almost makes me feel slightly safer that you know has to be proofed verified maybe yeah Mm -hmm. verified that you know you're an actual person but still you know Bad things can always happen.
0: Yeah. So it also can pull other information from you. So it takes some of your Facebook information and then pulls that right into your Bumble profile. And then you can write 300 character or less words about yourself in order to sort of distinguish you. You can apply filters that include like distance, location basically, um, gender, age range. You can also apply other filters if you have the upgraded account mainly saying, like, if you want someone who's only going to be six feet tall or taller, you could apply a filter mm-hmm. that has that.
1: You know what, height is probably a big decision for most women, though I when I had it, it was still free, and I assume these are all new upgrades to them.
0: They could be. This like, is through my research that I just did this past week on oh. Bumble, so.
1: So a few months ago, it was not oh. quite so <laughs> pricey, clearly. Um, and, and, you know, all these filters seem kind of you know, nice. You know, you don't want somebody maybe that's seven years older than you. You could
0: narrow down, right? Really, and then you what you're looking for.
1: Search for people that are closest to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't want to drive a long and, distance. And so you said your boyfriend lives, ironically, like very close to you, yes. <laughs> like within five minutes. Uh, ten minutes. Ten minutes, which ten is minutes. pretty great considering. And he is your same age. Um, a year older than me. So, but you went to different high schools. Right. So you would have never met each other and you didn't necessarily run in the same type of circles beforehand.
1: Right. We've probably we've been to the same few places, but we never would have met there. Like Mm -hmm. meeting organically out in the
0: open doesn't really happen this
1: much, I think. In your
0: generation? Right. Would you, if you saw him, I'm always curious though, if you would have saw him in, you know, a public place, would you have looked at him and said, oh, hey, that guy is, you know, attractive. I'd like to get to know him because that's kind of what you did on the dating app, but you get to see more information. Right. Is that the extra information that you get? Sometimes you kind of weed people off that way because people
1: will put, oh, don't like pets, don't like smokers, don't like... You know, yada, yada, yada. They list all these things or they list things that they do like doing and things that they're looking for in other people. And sometimes having that background information is nice because, you know, you filter through and you say, "Mm, I don't want anybody that says that they smoke. Yeah. So you clear those people out then you waste time getting to know somebody to find out that it doesn't work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, I think it's interesting because when I met my husband 20 plus years ago... (laughs) He was the complete opposite. I would have never chose. Actually, I we didn't like each other at all. <laughs> we knew each other and did not like each other um, because we were so completely different. And so over the course of a year, as we really got to know each other, it turned out we were extremely compatible. But at first glance, if he would have posted on a dating app that he liked Star Wars <laughs> and, you know, remote control cars or whatever these things are, I'd have been like, nope. Nope. No, I would have not. (laughs) I mean, granted, we were all young, and it was a very different world back then. However, so I I, I think it's interesting, though. But now you're being able to connect on on a lot of similarities as well as appearance.
1: I think it's also because there's so many people on this dating app. If somebody doesn't look great at first glance, you Mm -hmm. read through their information. Well, you just swipe left, and you keep swiping until you find one person. Because there's always matches on Bumble. There's always people.
0: And do you feel like if you see the bio that looks really good, you're more apt to swipe even if they're not like super, super attractive to you? Right. You would. I would. Because
1: yeah. I would enjoy doing all these things that they say they liked. And that
0: almost makes them more attractive if you like the same things. At least to Absolutely. Me. I think that's yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. So another fact about Bumble, moving on. So it is free, like we said, has these upgrades. This starting at eight ninety nine, you can get Bumble Boost. So you didn't use Bumble Boost.
1: I did not pay for Bumble.
0: <laughs> There's so many free apps. Why bother paying Why bother for paying? one? Well, if you were to choose to pay, you get these features of Beeline, which makes you able to see all the people who've already liked you. So you kind of save tons of time swiping. You can get Rematch, where you can reconnect with past matches for an extra 24 hours. Or Busy Bee, which allows you to extend the 24-hour match window. So if you're a guy... And you're waiting for a girl to respond, but maybe in that 24-hour span, she got really busy. <laughs> you can say, hey, extend it with Busy bee, and um, essentially say, hey, I'm still interested in you. <laughs> you got 24 more hours to contact, um, as well as those extra features. There's also things like Super Swipe to show someone that you're really interested. You can spend a $1.99 on a Super Swipe. But from what I read on the reviews, that kind of shows a little desperation.
1: Yes. You know, I think they started adding all these new charges on there. I've accidentally super swiped, super (laughs) liked, super something with somebody. (laughs) And I quickly go back and take them off
0: because, you know, that, you know, it does come off a little desperate. And I'm like, hmm. So speaking of which, yeah, the app does have an undo feature. It's called Backtrack. So if you swipe or swipe on accident and you change your mind, you can shake the phone and it undoes the swipe. Did you have to do that?
1: I've definitely un—I've um, definitely shook my phone. And I may, might look a little crazy doing it. They're shaking my phone like it actually does something. But it did. It let you go back. I think it did three.
0: Just three a day. That's what it says. Yeah, you get three backtracks a day. Yeah.
1: Most of the time I was right in that I just continued swiping.
0: How much time do you think that you would spend looking at potential matches?
1: It's because sometimes you get, you know, you just start swiping because maybe swiping just does something to your finger and who knows. I don't know. Maybe like 30 minutes to an hour. Uh Uh-huh. Because then you do remember time because you're just looking at people. Yeah,
0: it gets a little old after a while. Uh, A little bit. kind of get
1: sucked in, but then you're like, okay. It is something to do, definitely, if you're bored. You just start swiping (laughs) on people,
0: which seems a little crazy, but yes. That's what happens. So Bumble also has different modes. Obviously, right now we're talking about the Bumble date, where you find someone to date. There's also Bumble BFF, which allows you to meet new friends, and Bumble Biz, which is sort of for professional networking.
1: So I, of course, used the dating app. And then I did meet my best friend, Katie, through the Bumble BFF. Really?
0: Yes. So I I kind of read this and I was like, hmm, I wonder what kind of people would actually meet friends through Bumble. Not necessarily judging, but just in a curiosity way. So you have. So I've known Katie now for maybe two, two and a
1: half years. And we will say that we met dancing, you know, two-stepping. And because that's how we actually did meet face to face, but we first found each
0: other, I guess, on Bumble BFF. Interesting. So, so you went on there to say, "Hey, just want some friends."
1: So I actually went there for a purpose, of finding friends who like to go two-stepping, because at the time I just started and I didn't know anybody else who liked to go, and I wanted somebody to go with me, not to go alone. Yeah. So, um, I had put it on there. Like to go dancing, two stepping, and we matched. And I think it's a lot easier, or maybe there's, you feel the sense of a more friendlier environment because it's other women. Yeah. And, you know, still you hear about uh, crazy stories where, you know, they set you up with women and then, you know, you get taken or whatever. But, you know, it feels a little safer, especially because you're meeting out in public versus, you know, the dating, you meet a guy.
0: I think that that's a very good reason, you know, very purposeful. It's not like, hey, I'm just looking for someone to hang out. But, I mean, two-stepping, which is what we you know, we do in Texas, which I'm surprised <laughs> that you didn't know anyone <laughs> specifically who does that because it right. seems like everyone does. But someone who's your age who shares some similar interests but specifically wanted to meet at a public place and actually go two-stepping together and kind of hang out and have that camaraderie. So I think
1: the great thing about women is that we all put, like, things that we're all interested in, so i put like to watch Grey's Anatomy, like to go uh, two-stepping, like to go hiking. And then you just look for other women who like to do this Mm -hmm. because it seems almost like a normal thing. And, you know... You know, after me and Katie met, we went through and we were looking for more friends to add to our little friend group to oh, go yeah? dancing. And so we've met other girls together.
0: Through like the Bumble BFF?
1: Right. So we were both using the Bumble BFF to find more friends awesome. <laughs> to go dancing with. It sounds a little weird and crazy, but um, I remember we went and we met like three other girls. So it was like a group of us meeting mm-hmm. for the first time and we went to Top Golf and we played yeah. golf for an hour. That's
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: It was a nice way of meeting people and that people you you figured you'd have something in common with Mm -hmm. based off of their bio.
0: And using your good sensibility, you obviously sort of vetted these people out in the conversation mode that you get. Right. Via bumble.
1: Yeah. And then you maybe do you exchange
0: phone numbers then and then start take it over to like text message or what do you normally do?
1: I did. And then I think some we didn't, you know, usually it was after you meet them for the first time that we were like, oh, this has been fun. We should hang out more, you know, to verify that, you know, you did have fun with this person yeah. and there's somebody you could be friends with, do other things with. And then, you know, you give them your number. At least that's how I yeah. did it. So.
0: Yeah. So this is really encouraging, I know, for parents like myself. And we think, you know, gosh, they're spending so much time in these online relationships But I'm really encouraged by hearing you say that, yes, you're using this technology, you're using these sort of social apps to meet people. But once you meet them, you're going out and you're actually doing things face to face.
1: Yeah, I think it's important that, you know, you have friends that you can enjoy doing fun stuff together. Because, you know, after a while, being at home, taking selfies, watching (laughs) a bunch of Netflix gets a little old and you want to do fun things with your other girlfriends, you know,
0: like. Go out dancing, go kayaking, go hiking. You know, just be in that relationship face to face. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's super encouraging. All right. So finishing this up on Bumble, the ratings of Bumble App Store and Google Play both rated as seventeen plus. Bumble itself says that you need to be eighteen years or older. So as Brave Parenting stance, we definitely are going to confirm yes, one hundred percent, you should be eighteen years or older. Really taking that a step further. Because many 18-year-olds are still in high school. You really should be graduated from high school, maybe in that college scene. But I think as parents, right now is the time to start talking about these apps. Since we do know this is really common, it's a very popular way that college-age kids are, are meeting people. So start talking about ways that it can be used, healthy ways to meet people and then take them offline. Maybe using, right, you as an example right. is, a, is a great way. <laughs> Um I think also, you know, talking about some of the potential dangers because like you had said there are some creeps on there. And for those especially young girls maybe without that common sense to discern who are the creeps and who are not. We recently had shared a story about a young man who was a college athlete who was meeting people on Tinder and Bumble and did meet them and it wasn't until like the seventh girl had been raped from this young man that it finally came out and more women you know, before that came out saying that he, he was using this app to lure them in. So those are some of the dangers. Of course, it's going to be on any social media app, whether it's Bumble or whatnot. But you've shown, shown us really that it can be used for good and really successfully as you've been in your longest really relationship. Right.
1: Five months. Yeah. Almost six.
0: Yeah. And it has great potential. It does. <laughs> I
1: I don't regret getting on there and, you know... Meeting people because that's how I met, you know, Danny, the person I'm dating now. And we definitely would have met otherwise. So, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. And both of you are happy. You're not ashamed that you met on Bumble. So I don't
1: quite (laughs) say that we met on Bumble. You don't. No, around people our age will say that we did meet online. And then other people, because, you know, there's a lot of stigma around meeting
0: There is still. So even though you all are doing it, there is a little stigma.
1: Right. Interesting. So me and Danny say that we met through a mutual friend, which is what we're going to continue with.
0: And Bumble (laughs) is the mutual friend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it's because he ended up going to the same school as one of our friends. And so there's...
0: There you go. There's that connection. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm (laughs) like,
1: maybe, but...
0: It's all good. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So moving on into our family focus, this is going to be awesome. We're going to be talking about life at 22. We've already got a good glimpse of it, but Evelyn's going to share a little bit about college, dating, hindsight, and adulting, really giving us brave parents, hopefully the courage to just keep on keeping on knowing what we need to do now to produce competent, great kids who can use technology really as a tool And not become obsessed with it. So, Evelyn, let's start about talking about smart technology in college. I know at one point, you know, we really over the years, we've discussed some of the nuances with that and how technology has really played a role in your college life, especially the smartphones in the classroom. Tell me a little bit about that when you first started in college as the smartphone revolution had just sort of taken off. So
1: I think I was graduating high school when they just started letting people have them in class, which is now like a mandatory thing, it feels like. And um, in college, I feel like maybe phones were almost a normal thing before, but, you know, definitely on them a lot more because I know I've had professors that were like, I don't want to see your phone. They do say that. Right. Or they end up kicking you out of class. Thankfully, that's never happened to me. But, you know,
0: you've seen other people kicked out of right college classes because their phones
1: right Mm. and i think before it wasn't as big of a deal but now that it's people are always on their phone i feel like now some professors are getting more strict about it just because it's kind of annoying seeing somebody on their phone when you're trying to teach class i'd probably feel the same way yeah now what about laptops laptops we can have because you have to take your notes
0: you have to take notes so do you see people around you in your college classes handwriting notes I do handwrite my notes because yes. I can't
1: stand typing. I, I don't love know how it. to type correctly. And so I just, I prefer handwritten notes. Sometimes they're a little legible. I just kind yep. of assume I knew what I meant.
0: We just talked about in our last podcast about the benefits of handwriting notes and how it helps you retain information and keeps your focus better.
1: Right. Because you're writing it down again after you've heard it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I love that. That's awesome. So, but mostly, I mean, but even with a laptop, it's so easy to jump over and Look at social media or I've definitely done some online
1: shopping while I've had my laptop in front of me. I won't lie. Mostly my chemistry classes, that kind of, you know, make me fall asleep a little. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it, it happens. Right. I try not to do it too much because then I
0: get distracted and then I'm not actually paying attention. But I do you see that around you happening? I mean, are there are a lot of people who are just there, but like not there. Right. And, you know,
1: some people don't even bother coming to class because, you know, sometimes attendance isn't a grade. You're paying for the class.
0: That's kind of sad, especially for the moms and dads who are paying for yeah. that class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I know that, you know, we had talked about several years ago, like freshman year, probably for college, maybe sophomore year. You know, you really felt like you were going to meet all of your friends in college. And then when you got to class, everyone was sort of on their phone.
1: Right. Because, you know. I don't know where I got the solution from now, thinking about it. But, you know, maybe in all the movies or all the older people I know, they all met their friends in college. college. And I'm like, well, where are my friends from college? Mm. A lot of the friends I do have now are old friends from high school that, you know, are still around and we still talk to. They might go to different colleges. And then, you know, meeting people on Bumble yeah. Is how I met my friends that are in college now, not necessarily still at
0: the same school that I'm at, but, you know, that are in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, when I was in school, for sure, everybody that I met, we would be in the same class. I remember freshman English, I met one of my best friends because we sat next to each other. And so there was no phones back in that day. So you had nothing else to do but talk. And we found out we were both pre-pharmacy majors. And so that sort of connected us. Now, granted, she... Went on and did something different other than pharmacy, but we stayed friends. So, absolutely, that's kind of where you get this idea, but it was just a very different experience for you. Right. It was more
1: like everybody was on their phones. And while you did get some people's numbers, it's really just for class related things like, oh, not going to be there in class today. Can you send me whatever it is we're doing? Or, you know,
0: people didn't have that same mindset of, oh, I'm here
1: let me meet people. Let me
0: meet people while I'm getting education. Oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it is. So as we mentioned before, through the Bumble app, you do have this long-term boyfriend. So, but describe to us what dating looks like today. Now we know how you met. Now, what does it actually look like? How much digital communication do you use? How much social media do you use, like within the relationship? Maybe Posting different things, saying that you're in a relationship. What does that look like today?
1: Well, one of the big things that comes up that, you know, you have asked me when I told you we first started dating was that how do you know when you're in a relationship? Because sometimes you're still... Oh, we're just talking. Mm -hmm. But then, how do you know when you're actually dating? When you're official, and you know you're not talking to other people because you're not in high
0: school anymore. So you're not saying, "Hey, will you be my boyfriend?" or "Hey, will you be my girlfriend?"
1: Well, you know, I still like you know that knowing or being asked. Official, (laughs) yeah, that official ask. (laughs) And so, Danny did wait a while to ask me—a whole month and a half—and
0: did he ask in that same kind of
1: so? He did ask me, at least, which I appreciated because, you know, that doesn't really happen a lot. I know that I've talked to my other girlfriends and we're just like, well, how do you know we're still dating? Should I bring it up? Are we like officially dating? But I don't want to be the first one to bring it up to come off as desperate, you know. Right. And so Danny did end up asking me on a little sticky note. And so that's our little thing now.
0: The post-it notes. Right. Yes, I've <laughs> I love the little post it notes. You draw pictures back and forth right. on post it notes and uh-huh. write notes.
1: And so Danny had did in bubble letters, will you be my girlfriend?
0: Which I absolutely secretly love. Like <laughs> it's kind of old school passing notes sort of way. Right? And I love that. You know, it's not like over text because yeah. to me that still screams like, so lame now and i'm old right. school <laughs> but I'm you're like, 22 and you kind of feel the same way is that lame? right
1: i don't want to be told yeah we're dating over text because that's just so kind of impersonal you know like i'm not looking at you you can't see my face reaction i can't see your face reaction
0: now but granted he did write it down but it's still you still but have he the post gave note. me
1: the note yes yeah. i have
0: it at home i'm <laughs> collecting them all <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah. And so did you guys text a lot during the day? I mean, do you use Snapchat? Like, how do you communicate? Do you talk on the phone?
1: At the very beginning, after the first couple of dates, this was a time when I was very into social media and I was always on Snapchat, always on Instagram, probably less so on Facebook, but, you know, still always on. I remember Danny did not have a Snapchat or he said he didn't use it daily. Like he had to log in and he didn't get the little notifications like you have a Snapchat from so-and-so. And And then he ended up getting or started using his account more after we met,
0: after I mentioned it. Because you wanted to communicate that way?
1: Because sometimes I did like to share what I was doing versus saying, oh, I'm eating this great bowl of ramen. (laughs) You know, or something random like that or to show where what I was doing at the time. Like, oh, I'm at Tix Flags now. Oh, I'm at the park. Going hiking, eating a
0: Yeah, cigarette. whatever. Just sharing little bits of your day. Right. To you, that's easiest to do via Snapchat versus yeah, texting I it.
1: maybe at the time I really felt that way. I don't quite feel that way now as much, but that's definitely how we started off. We were texting a lot, but we also saw each other three, four times a week right after that. Because mm-hmm. I think we ended up meeting on like a Wednesday and then I saw him monday and then a few times a week and then yeah and so we were just constantly seeing each other and then it was probably after a a couple weeks of dating that we started facetiming which i really enjoy i like FaceTiming at night
0: versus like talking on the phone that way you can still see each other's face
1: right well if i'm now if it's late and i'm driving home from work and he's about to go to bed he'll I'll call him or he'll call me and then we'll talk that way, you know, we at least get to hear each other's voice, get some. Yeah. Gets mm-hmm.
0: them. yeah you're, I mean, that's I'm still, that's still true from back when I dated. That was kind of like the last thing that you did was you kind of talked on the phone or yeah. now it's just FaceTime. Always that last thing right before you go to bed, right? put your phone because, up. Because,
1: you know, it's nice to see that person. And I prefer if I'm going to have a long conversation with somebody to not text a long conversation. Yes. I prefer to pick up the phone and call somebody Good. and be yeah. like, hey, what's going on? Tell me all the little details. takes so much less time. Yeah. Plus, you can do it while you're driving. So.
0: Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. So is there um, anything that you love, you know, specifically about how you can incorporate technology into the relationship? Do you love being able to talk all day or are there ways that?
1: So I do like that me and Danny aren't always on our phone when we're together. Because sometimes technology is good and then sometimes it needs to put, oh, be put away. Yeah. Like sometimes if Danny's on his phone when we're together, I'll just put my hand over his screen to let him know that phone time is over. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. that's so time you, together. You try and save that for obviously when you're not together. But when you're together to make the most of that relational time face to face. Right.
1: To be in, that moment, in too, that moment. and To not get distracted with, and, you know, social media sometimes. Because right.
0: it's just. It can be very distracting. But then you, you see, like we even see, you know, old people's, I say old, that's me, but you know, like 60s, 70s, you know, they're at a restaurant and they're both just like looking at their phone and it makes you so sad. Now, is that something that you guys try and do if you go out to a meal? Do you try and keep your phones aside or right. if the conversation dies down, do you both just pick up and start scrolling?
1: So we haven't gotten to that part where the conversation kind of just dies, but in a previous relationship, I think this is where I picked it up. He didn't really like to be on social media when we were both together, and that meant in a restaurant, whatever we were doing together, you know, that phone just kind of gets mm-hmm. put away, and, you know, this is our time, and we don't do that. That's great. And so I, me and Danny are both okay with what we're doing now. Like, we aren't constantly on our phone, and I don't really put my hand over his screen that often, maybe a couple times so mm-hmm. far, and he's real good about it. He's real You have to kind of just
0: be brought out of that moment because you sort of forget what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, even I can do that and my husband will say the same thing. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm like, oh, that's right. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. You know, you just forget like, oh, I really need to respond to this text. Yeah. So that's great. That's good accountability.
1: Danny really uses his phone whenever I go shopping, whenever we go shopping together. And he's waiting (laughs) on me, which I find a little more acceptable. he will play his Pokemon Go or whatever he's doing. I,
0: I would agree. I have. I have shopped with my teenagers and their significant others. And yes, absolutely. Um, it's I a little boring as a guy to just be waiting there. on a girl shopping.
1: <laughs> but I find it fun. So I'm like, as long as we can keep doing it, you know, whatever. <laughs> While I'm in the dressing room
0: taking 20 minutes, you can be out here playing a video game. Yeah, right. That's awesome. All right. So as a young adult that we know is already on their way to great success, has great sensibility. It becomes easier, as you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, to look back already to see in hindsight what you may have done wrong, how you can be better. But when it comes to parenting for your, your parents and how you were parented, how have you looked back and seen the benefits of some of your parents' rules or boundaries or standards that they've said that you probably despised in high school and may still not love now because you still do live at home? Um, but can you look back through those those hard years of middle school and high school and say, I hated it then, but I'm really glad my parents did something this, this one thing, because I know it benefited me now today.
1: You know, thinking about it, it's kinda of hard because my parents raised raised me and my sister very strict. No sleepovers at friends house, you know, they wanted to meet people's parents and maybe that made me over cautious. My friend would always ask me to send her a picture of whoever it was that I was meeting that way in case something happened, mm. you know, you know who I was supposed to be meeting, and I would tell her where we were going with time, and then I'd text her when I got there. Okay, just met them, text you when I'm done.
0: Yeah, so you hated the role of no sleepovers while you were young, but it sort of produced this cautiousness that, yeah, there are dangers out there in society, and especially when it comes to online is kind of how you naturally attribute it and let that flow so not necessarily a fear but a more cautiousness because your parents were cautious right and so when you maybe see some of your peers out and about kind of freely meeting freely conversing with anyone and everyone online that could be creeps
1: i will say that whenever they're meeting people i play my part as a cautious friend and i Hmm. ask all the questions what does this person look like where are you going Text me when you get there. Text me when you're done, so I know you're still alive and you didn't get kidnapped or something. You know, that's great. Yeah, friends gotta look out for friends. Yeah,
0: so kind of like what parents would do, but it feels a lot easier. When I it's almost a feel like friend. her mom
1: now that I'm thinking about it because her her parents don't live here; they live farther away. So,
0: but I think in a way that that's what friends are for. That yeah. you really move out of that parent you know your parents being that. To you know your friends, you find those good friends that you can help you stay accountable. Like you said, yeah. you've weaned out the friends who aren't gonna put you on the right path. And now you know these friends are gonna help you keep on the right path. So, so yeah. So you hated it back then, but now can you see a little bit of why your parents stopped you from doing that? I do see it now, though. I do think they were
1: a little over cautious. Some just parents a little bit. are, but it definitely was a good thing, and I think that. I'd probably make some of those same choices being a parent now. Maybe not all of them, but you know, I'd still I'd still wait a while before I let them sleep over at somebody's
0: house. Yeah. <laughs> and how old were you when you got your first smartphone? First
1: smartphone?
0: Yeah, like your first iPhone or I wasn't cool
1: enough to have the first iPhone when it came out. I had like some Samsung phone and I was definitely in high school because in middle school I still had like a flip phone
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was not smart. It probably wasn't until maybe freshman or um, sophomore year.
0: Yeah. So freshman. So my oldest daughter is your age, and so and we adopted her when she was going into her sophomore year, and that was really when the smartphone revolution had just launched like crazy, and so it was oh. like 2013, and so I'd probably say yeah, about freshman and sophomore year, it seemed like every high school student had a smartphone. Had a smartphone. So you're kind of right in on that.
1: Yeah. And social
0: media. Did you get social media right away? when you got a smartphone
1: so no i think i probably had almost had facebook myspace if you can remember that
0: um <laughs> oh, we remember that <laughs>
1: but that was you know on the computer yeah it, it wasn't, wasn't on, on your, your phone. phone i remember i had that and i feel like that still maybe counts as social media though yeah. just...
0: Very early facebook on, facebook is but...
1: so different from what all myspace was and then i don't remember really wanting facebook I remember my sister wanted Facebook and maybe that pushed me to want it, but she was just a year ahead of me. So I'm thinking I probably got it somewhere around sophomore year, but then it still wasn't like a big thing
0: mm-hmm. to
1: be on Facebook because all my friends were still all around me in high school.
0: Yeah. They that... weren't
1: really posting anything. But yeah. then I remember Instagram became a thing and I was late to that party. <laughs> I didn't get one until junior year. Of high and school? And Yes. And then... I still wasn't posting a lot, and I and it, I really didn't jump in until like college. Yeah, I was gonna say
0: even back then. So your junior year, it still wasn't what how, how big, big it is, is now, today. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now, now that you're 22, fully an adult, what is your most enjoyable part of adulting?
1: Enjoyable part of adulting, I I think. Some of the freedom, I won't say all the freedom that comes with, you know, being able to make your own choices and go places and do things because I still don't have access to all those things.
0: So let's, let's say this. So you're 22, you live at home and you're saying you don't have all the freedom and that's because you live at home. Right. And that your parents still have boundaries and limitations on you. Yes. Even though you're 22. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which you don't love. But what I love about you is that you respect your parents. You respect your parents a great deal. Yes. Even though you don't love the boundaries at 22.
1: (laughs) Right. You know, some people always say, oh, you should rebel, you should do this, ignore them or whatever. And I'm always thinking, I live at home. They can make my life worse than these (laughs) small boundaries I have to, you know, deal with. But one of the things I enjoy is that, you know, I'm working, I can spend money on whatever it is that I want to do at the time. And even though... Maybe I can't travel as glamorously as some people on Instagram. I can still do my small things. And I enjoy being able to have the money to do those things. Yeah. To be able to have, you know, at least that freedom.
0: Yeah. What's the most difficult part of adulting? Bills. 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 (laughs) Money. It goes both ways with money. I love the money. love to do what you want with it. But at the same time, you got bills.
1: Right. And so that's kind of played into part into the whole saving
0: aspect. Yeah. So, all right. So one final question that we can kind of take, because this is a question that it's almost like the question that parents are asking, you know, today, when do I get my child a smartphone? When is the right age for social media? Now, if you had a daughter, which, of course, you don't, but you do have a niece. Right. You have, That you cherish. And she is three, three. So she is three. If she was yours. How would you approach this? What age would you, knowing what you know about social media, knowing what you know about a smartphone, what age would you allow them to be on social media?
1: I would probably say maybe sixteen or seventeen, but I would only feel that way, you know, even that seems a little early to me now that I'm thinking about all the crazy things people do on social media now, but that almost feels okay. Because I would most likely have a child that was raised kind of strictly like I was. But, you
0: know, that made me from making bad decisions. It, it kept you. Yeah. So now the average age is 11. So you would definitely say no way, parents.
1: I wouldn't. At me personally. Because, you know, while I didn't make all these crazy decisions or bad decisions, I'm not sure I would trust
0: my child to not fall into that and it's a crazy world on social media of what they can find and what they can interact on. Right. Would you? I mean, would you agree? I, mean, I see a very benign social media because that's the social media that I've created for myself. I follow, you know, a bunch of people who are like-minded to myself.
1: But you're you're older. I,
0: I'm old. Go ahead and say it. That's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're older and you've already weeded out bad people from it's your true. life. You already know what to, be, what to be cautious of. I'm like, young people in their early teens, do not have that. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so a little bit older to be a little bit more discerning. Right. Yeah. Which really goes along with our brave parenting stance, which is about 16. That's kind of the age that you have a little bit more sensibility. You have a little more wisdom to discern who can be good, who can be bad, as well as knowing. I If I post this, you're already looking a little bit more closer to college. This could be seen. Whereas when you're 11, 12, 13, most kids... Don't think about that.
1: Oh, they definitely wouldn't be. And they. I feel like at that age, you're posting a lot of maybe dumb things that seem really cool at the time. And then it's kind of over after that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Evelyn. Well, I have certainly loved your 22-year-old perspective on all of this that we've talked about today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. So that brings us to the end of this episode. If you miss anything on the show or want to learn more, you can find us at braveparenting.net. Or if you have any questions about what we discussed today, you can email your questions to podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look about how you can build strong character using the technology that kids love, you can pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting podcast where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.